Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today we have with us Shelly Paxton. Shelly is a lifelong rebel liberator of souls and the author of Soul Badical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. She is also the host of Rebel Souls podcast, where she hosts conversations with movement makers, culture creators, and game changers who are breaking the rules and rewriting the script of success. So buckle up for some serious badassery and a whole lot of inspiration with our guest today. Welcome, Shelly Paxton. Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Hi. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Gorgeous backgrounds and everything. I love it. We are so excited to have you because number one, you're freaking hilarious. You're raw. You cuss. You're like our people. I love it. I knew we'd get along. I knew we'd get along. (laughs) I was thinking about how Shanna and I are like you, like we just get on and there's so many times her and I have conversations where we're like, shit, we should have just pressed record. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I know. I know. I paused my podcast for a couple few months and I'm just enjoying this kind of season of renewal, um, rejuvenation. Yeah. Yeah. My little sabbatical for my podcast. That's a good reflection because I want to think about like, what do I want to do more of? How do you, how do you keep this really fun? I love that the two of you can work off of each other's energy and have fun doing it. And that's a, that's a cool vibe. Yeah. It does help to have somebody, well, you interview people Cause I mean, yeah. it definitely helps to like when I, whenever I have to do something alone, like I did an entire ancestry by myself. And right now I'm working on this other um, podcast, just like I call her my side hoe podcast. And you know, it's like, <laughs> I am like, I struggle because it's not like this. Cause I'm not as natural. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm trying to get there, but Mandy, you're better at it. I, I just, it sounds so much like a storyteller. Don't I? Yes, but you want to know what? What? People are loved it the way you did it. So I think you should just own it and roll with how you do it because I think it sounds amazing when you do it. Oh, well, thanks. Thank you very much. So where do you where do you join us? I am in Chicago. Okay. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Where are you ladies? Well, we're like in Chicago too, because it's been windy as shit here. We're in Colorado. <laughs> Oh, uh-huh. what parts of Colorado? Are you in the same place or different cities? No, we're in the same. Well, not anymore because Nandy just moved out of ours, but she's still 10 minutes away. But yeah, we're just in the suburbs of Denver. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Such an amazing city. Yes. When you first came through our email, um, the word sabbatical obviously stuck out to us. I'll tell you why, because I had a dream about two, maybe two, three years ago. I was in this space. It was kind of like, I think it was in like a desert and I felt like I was in this circle and this old man with this long red cape, right? He tells me, you need to have a sabbatical. And I was like, what? A sabbatical. So I woke up and I'm laying in bed and my partner wakes up and I'm like, what's a sabbatical? Isn't that some kind of like Catholic thing? (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean oh like, my god I don't even know what one is but he said I needed one 
And the same guy also told me in another dream that I needed to find my druid stone. So he gives me very little details of what I'm supposed to do, but it's very interesting. Yeah. So, and here we are, the universe connected us at last. I know. So why don't you tell us what's that soul battle? What does that mean to you? And I know you've had some interesting dreams too. So I'd love to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So what's fascinating is when I created the word soulbatical, I really had no fucking idea what it meant. I just, I was honestly, so I'll give you kind of the, the evolution of this word and what it has come to mean as I wrote the book and as I live it today. And as I, as I preach it, I created this word because when I was leaving Harley I was chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson. Nobody leaves this job without being fired. So here I am, the person who's like, but I feel empty inside and I don't understand what's going on. And then through the nightmare, which we can get into, I had a crazy nightmare, which woke me up to the idea that I was not living at all in alignment with my soul with my own truth, with my essence. And I knew I was 46 years old at the time. And I was like, do I want to be miserable when I get to be 50? Do I want to be moving further away from who I've meant to become? So I made the really courageous, you know, scariest shit, courageous decision to leave. And people around me, my own family included, were like, who does this? Shelly, you don't leave a job without another job. You don't leave like the sexiest job in marketing, period. Like let them fire you, let them usher you out the door, but what are you doing? And so I'll be honest, I, because I'm creative and you know I'm a marketer, it literally came to me. I woke up one morning and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm gonna explain, I'm gonna give people a handle so that they can just get off my back (laughs) and understand that I'm doing something that maybe nobody's ever done before because it's not a traditional sabbatical. It wasn't like, I'm going to take a three month break and come back. It wasn't a vacation. It was a very intentional departure to reconnect with my soul. And so that's where it started. So listen, I could not have articulated any of this five and a half years ago when I created the word. What I love is that I've realized, I've realized so many things on this journey. One is sabbatical was never about leaving your job. It was about finding yourself. And even more importantly, what I realized now I've kind of gone back and I've created definitions with what I know now, the wisdom I have of having been on this journey for five and a half years. And the way I talk about sabbatical now is that it's a way of being. Again, you don't have to leave your job. It is a conscious choice to live in full alignment with one's soul. And I say, you know, it's a choice to live and lead with greater authenticity, greater courage, and greater purpose, you know, in this one wild and precious life that we have. So that's what it's come to mean over the years. And that's what I really preach now is let's rewrite our script of success and live the life you're meant to live. 
Well, I think that I was blessed with the fact that I didn't know what the word meant. So I had to come up with my own um, (laughs) definition through my own experience. And I would absolutely describe it the same. Isn't that amazing when there's no conditions attached to a word that, you know, you come up with the soulful definition. So yeah, right on. Yeah. That's not a surprise given, you know, what I know of you ladies and how you live your lives and just the, this beautiful platform that you've created. So you are living soulbatical. So thank you. <laughs> you you want to know what, I, another word that I loved <laughs> that I was like, yes, was the revolution. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yes. talk about that word. Well, so I love that you, I love that you are honing in on my language because I've really come to appreciate that this is my genius and I didn't understand it, even though I was, you know, in the advertising and marketing business for, you know, 26 years, I didn't really appreciate that I had this genius for creating language because I was always using the language of another brand, right? I was using the language of the brand or the company and a lot of corporate jargon and all of all of that shit, right? That'll just like, that'll kill your soul real quick. So, so for me, this journey has also allowed me to, I mean, embrace so many facets of who I am. So around the idea of language creation, I've really, I've zoned in on that. And writing the book was so much fun because I got to create language the entire time. So this word revolution came up. I mean, it has many layers. So one, the subtitle to my book is A Corporate Rebel's Guide to Finding Your Best Life. And as I tell my story, I came flying out of the womb as a rebel. I, I just from the very beginning, I <laughs> was poor the, mother. <laughs> I know. Oh, believe me. Or believe yeah. me. Bo- both, right? Um, and then they were kind of uh I don't know what the right phrase is, but sort of goody two shoes. My parents were very, very straight laced and they were young parents. And yes, and I'm the oldest. I was the first child. So they had no idea. And so I know. So I always say I was rebelling against so many things. I was rebelling against my parents and they were very Catholic. And so they raised us in the religion early on. I left that many, many, many years ago and authority and everything. Like I was just always pushing against and beating my head against a brick wall. And what I realized when I left Harley and I started thinking about this journey is that that rebel against, like that's what gives rebels such a bad rap because it's like, you're pushing against, you're pushing away, but that's actually on somebody else's terms. So it's very constricting. And I thought, wow, there's a whole lot of power in this idea of rebelling for. So this got me on this sort of a mission of, wait a second, why aren't more of us rebelling for who we are, what we want and the impact we want to have in the world. And we're doing it on our terms. And so when I thought about what would it look like for more of us to make this choice in the world, I'm like, that's a fucking revolution. And the word just came out. So, oh my God, I love it. How did that affect your soul though? Like when you were growing up, you know, pushing against everything, not following the path, um, questioning things, not believing the conditions, um, standing up to authority. Did that like at any point in your life make you feel like 
am I a bad person? Is there something wrong with me? Like, how did it make you feel? Yeah, I was always in search of. So it really made me feel like I didn't know where I belonged. I feel like my whole journey throughout life, and I talk about this in the book too, is I was in search of, I'm like, where, where are my people? Actually, who are my people? Because I didn't even feel that connected to my own family of origin. I was sort of like, they don't understand me and I don't understand them. Where, where, the, where did I come from? So that's like what, so that's one thing. The other thing that's coming up for me is What it made me do is I finally learned to play the game. So what I think I did is I just started tuning out because I was like, oh, well, if I listen to my soul, I get in trouble. If I listen to my soul, somebody tells me, well, that's all well and good, but go do this thing anyway. And so I really started to go down this path of not trusting my own intuition and not listening to that beautiful voice. And so that's what this whole, my, my whole story is about how I got really good at tuning that voice out and stepping up to everyone else's definition of success in life. And so this journey has been me tuning way back in to my soul. And that's why I created that word. Soul is at the center of soulbatical. And I'm finally listening to her. And she's guided me very, very well. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is, I, I can relate so much. I, 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 I actually remember like at one point as a child, when I was kind of rebelling against things, struggling with, with anger, because I felt like I was misunderstood. I felt like I really had an issue with that word anger. I was always told like I was such a rebel and I was so bad. And, you know, my mom even went as far back as like telling me a story that I just came out that way. Like at one time when I was a toddler, I crawled under the table and I was biting her ankles in McDonald's because (laughs) I was just being a little brat. And the stories were always like really bad. And I was like, oh my God, I was like this horrible little terror. And then in, you know, in high school, I was like authority, fuck you. Um, I was, you know, I was very verbal with coaches. I was very verbal with teachers. If I felt like they were slacking or, um, I was just, yeah, you know, I questioned a lot of things. If you gave me rules, I was going to break them. And so I had this point in my life, which I think fed my addiction where I felt like I was like a bad person, like an angry person or something. And I, and now based on what you just said, it has me thinking, I did the same thing. I, my, that's where my integrity just completely got out of line because I quit listening to myself and I started just trying to be what everyone else wanted me to be. Okay. Well, guess what y'all I did the opposite. Okay. I was trying to be good my entire freaking life and now I'm a rebel. (laughs) I love it. Well, and I have to say, so I love that you said that Shanna, because we are all rebels. Like here's my view on the world. My view on the world is authenticity is the truest form of rebellion. Because the world doesn't want us to be true to ourselves. The world doesn't want us to be unique and to stand up and speak out and take up space and all the things, right? Totally. So I'm like, this is my bumper sticker, my billboard or whatever you want to say in the world is authenticity is the truest form of rebellion. We, I know a lot of people don't 
identify with like, you know, the, the old, well, I'm wearing a black leather jacket today. It's kind of funny, but you know, that kind of the Harley Davidson rebel and the, you know, bomber jacket and maybe bomber (laughs) jacket, the Steve McQueen, whatever. But what I do is part of my work is, well, when you really get in touch with your soul and you really connect deeply with your own truth and your own values, by definition, you're being a rebel because it's all the things that the world is telling you not to be. Yeah. And the world is afraid of that. Like, especially, you know, the, the hierarchy is like, oh shit, they're going to figure out that they have the power over themselves. They're not going to need prescriptions. They're not going to need the government. And then what do we do? We don't have control over them anymore. They are a revolution, right? I'm like, we're all like, I'm on a mission to liberate a billion souls. I'm not going to do that on my own. That's all of us inspiring each other by living our truth, by living sabbatical authentic, courageous, and purposeful lives. And that is scary, right? Because the more of us who choose to do that, the more things start to change. We've had on a lot of conversations with listeners who have told us that they quit their job. And Shanna and I were like, holy fuck, we're like inspiring people to just quit their fucking jobs. I don't know if this is good. You know, we're like, they're all like sending us emails or calling or texting us and telling us they quit their jobs. And we're like, that was not what our mission was. <laughs> yeah. Don't quit your job. You don't have to. Well, it's, it's interesting. I no, you don't have to. That's why I always say, I mean, listen, at first I, like I said, I didn't really even know what this word soulbatical meant or was, was going to mean or where, what it was going to show me along the way. But I am very, very clear now that it's not about leaving your job. It's about finding yourself. Now for some people, it means absolutely fucking leave your job because you're miserable and it's completely out of alignment. But it doesn't mean like don't work or go travel the world for 12 months and do eat, pray, love and whatever. It doesn't mean that. Yeah, I realized that real quick. Yeah, that, <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, I just feel like once you start doing those kind of things, you're putting yourself just into another box. You know what I mean? Of, of people not doing something because they feel like, you know, they're on some path of the Buddha, which realistically we're not, I mean, well, some of us are, but I can't be that. I have four children. You know what I mean? I can't stay in a meditation state all day. You know, I have to, you know, I have to, I have to take my kids to school, unfortunately. Damn it. So you're not going to go van life with me, like through all the (laughs) national parks. Not in this life, honey. Won't work. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I, I might meet you on the way though. Just give okay, me a cool. call. <laughs> Deal. I think me and you would get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I think we would absolutely yeah, get in a lot of trouble so. in the best to. way possible. Yeah. Yes, I, I agree. So when you landed your job with Harley Davidson, your family probably wasn't surprised at all, right? They're like, this is the most perfect fitting job for her ever because it's sexy, <laughs> it's sassy, it's like biker babe. Totally. Yeah. yeah, I would say almost everybody in my life was like, yeah, that makes sense. What was interesting is I wasn't a rider before I went to Harley and they really liked that because I had global experience and all this other experience. And I have fresh perspective on being a rider. I did eventually get my license and ride, but 
You know, it was so interesting. So Harley came to me through, I tell a bit of the story in the book, my a dear friend who I'd worked in advertising at an agency in the early days with, who became a good friend. He and I would travel together. He and I did Second City Improv together. We started an improv troupe. He ultimately went to Harley and he was a, he was a big time motorcycle rider. And then as he was growing, the global marketing organization brought me in. Here's what's really interesting is at first I was like, I don't know, do I want to move to Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Do I really want to do this motorcycle thing? And then, so I was coming off the back of a really ugly divorce really ugly divorce. And so for me, it was also my way. I mean, this is such a rebel's perspective. It was my way of just saying your, your chick is back. Like I'm back. I got my rebel fire. I'm going to go hang out with, you know, I'm going to go hang out with the Harley peeps and I'm going to do this and I'm going to be badass again, because I feel like I'd lost some of my mojo and just yeah. being torn apart in this divorce. So yeah, nobody was surprised. And it was really a sign to myself of like almost like a rebirth after a horrific divorce. Yeah. Another sabbatical within itself. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before, before yeah. I ever even knew that word. Yeah. yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. I mean, my, my daughter tattooed that down her spine because I tell her that all the time, but I feel like you have no regrets being at Harley. It, you know, you said it, sometimes it, it was going against your soul, but look where it's landed you and all of that amazing knowledge and wisdom you learned. Yeah. Now you're able to tweak your marketing, tweak your advertising, tweak what you do as a person, all from that experience. So no regrets. I None. I say this every time anybody asks me, I not only don't have regrets about Harley. I mean, listen, I got to ride motorcycles around the world with some pretty badass humans, like no regrets. Yes. Did, was it my moment in life to kind of wake up to my own truth? Absolutely. But I don't know if I would have woken up if I wasn't in that situation. I have no regrets about my whole 26 year corporate career. I worked for incredible brands. Brands. They took me amazing places in the world. I got to live in Turkey. I got to live in China. I got to work and visit probably 50 plus countries. It was, I feel very fortunate. It's a very privileged story, actually. And all of that had to happen to get me here and for me to have this awakening. And I think about this a lot. Like, the fact that we all went through this past two years of this crazy pandemic, a lot of people had wake up calls that they had not had before, right? We got shook up. We, you know, for most of us, this experience crystallized what matters most to us. Who are those people? Where do we want to live? What do we really want our lives to look like? And I kind of smiled because my book came out in January of 2020, exactly eight weeks before COVID came to town. I was a mess when all of a sudden the world shut down. I was like, you got to fucking be kidding me. Like I've just fulfilled the dream of becoming an author and writing my first book. And little did I know everything does happen for a reason. Uh, my book was in the world exactly when it was meant to be because lots and lots of people experienced soulbatical. And my book was there for 
a lot of people. So I totally buy that. So no regrets at all because the timing has played out exactly as it was meant to. And the epiphanies and all the things like, of course, I had no control over when my book came out. The only thing I said to Simon and Schuster is, I would like it to come out right around my 50th birthday because there's a powerful story here. Cause like I said to you, I did not want to feel empty. I wanted to feel alive and energized when I was 50. I wanted to feel like I was getting closer to who I meant to be mm-hmm. in this world. And damn, if you know, that, that was the yeah. truth. This came out a week before my 50th birthday and it was <laughs> the best birthday gift ever. Uh, oh my God. That is freaking awesome. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's part of Shannon and I's hope and dream for the younger generations is that they can awaken and we can teach them to get to know themselves at a younger age because we weren't taught that. And so here we are, you know, 46 years old, like it took us so long to realize <laughs> and to awaken to all the conditions and to get to know ourselves and to love ourselves and to bring awareness to ourselves and our feelings and our bodies and our minds. And so our mission is to really try to spread to, to parents, even like teach your child to get to know themselves and that happiness isn't outside of them. Amen to that. uh, Yes. Preach, preach, preach. I am standing united with both of you on this mission. Absolutely. I joke because I have young, I have friends who are in their early thirties who I've met because they are, they, they woke up way sooner than I did. And I laugh about it. And yet I'm so clear it wasn't meant to happen happen for me at 32 or 33 years old. And I love what you said. I've had like love notes and feedback from millennials who've read my book. And I was like, never in a million years did I think a millennial was going to pick up my book. And yet nothing makes me happier than somebody who writes me and says, thank you for sharing your mistakes so that I don't have to make them. And I'm just like, it brings tears to my eyes. Well, I would say that, um, millennials are our largest age group that listens to our podcast, which is insane and amazing. We love you. And, you know, cause they're our future and, yes. and they are different, you know, and then Gen Z and all these different generations. When you said that your parents, you know, you guys didn't even understand each other. It's that generational gap. And it's just like, I think now these kids are less attached to conditions and to religion. It's all about how can we help humanity? How can we advance humanity, evolve? I mean, just, I mean, as young as like Mandy's daughter's seven, I mean, it's just amazing. And talking about the sabbatical, when you're in a sabbatical, you're not attached you know, like if you're actually talking about a sabbatical I mean, you're, you are taking a break, you are free of all of it. And there's no attachments. So I would, Im- that's what my journey has been like, really um, owning that impermanence and knowing that anything can change and I need to be fluid and allow it to. So who knows if I'll go from a corporate job to working and donating my time somewhere because I'm not going to attach myself to anything because yeah. the attachment is the root of all suffering. It's so true. And what you're, you're making me think, I mean, a a powerful realization for me, and I've shared this often or as often as anybody will listen is, you know, when I left Harley, I had no idea, no idea where I was going, what was going to come of this. Like I said, what, what this word even meant. 
And I gave myself 12 months. And so very similar to what you're saying, but I also gave myself permission to say, if in three months, this doesn't feel right, well, then I'll course correct. If in six months, I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I want more time. I'll figure it out. If in eight months, I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to go broke and I need a job and I go back to a corporate job, maybe one that feels more aligned in that moment. Fantastic. But I think so often to the point that you were just making, we're judging ourselves and and we make these things seem permanent and they're not like allow, yeah, let go and Give yourself the freedom, give yourself the permission to go. Yeah. You know what? If it doesn't feel right tomorrow, I'll check back in and I'll course correct. If it doesn't feel, you know, and in my case, I never could have known that eight months into this thing, my dad drops from two massive strokes and it changed my whole life. And that was another, and in my mind, I was super clear that that was the universe saying, you are never going back because this is what just happened to somebody who gave everything to his career. Two years after retirement, he's just, you know, and my dad's, my dad is thankfully still alive, but is very severely brain damaged and is not, you know, he's not the person we once knew. And I knew in that moment that it, that was a sign that I had different work and bigger work to do in the world. That's my story too. My dad worked himself to death. You know, he never had tools his heart could not take all the stress that he put himself under and he died, you know, at 63. And I just Mm -hmm. looked at him and thought, I am just like him. You know, I'm always go, 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 go. I can do the most. And when I was stressed, I just put a mask on. I didn't have tools, you know? And so I was determined to learn tools and to stop that in my family, my generation, my lineage and teach my children, you know, it, life is not about working yourself to death. It's just not, it's not oh. the purpose. You want to know what is interesting though, is, is that's the path my husband's on. Like he, he just works, works, works. But he said to me, I would never have it any other way. Like he's just, he it's, it's who he is. Like, he's like, I can never imagine not being in this like mode. And I was, and I, I sat there and I was like, wow. I mean, he's aware that that's where it's he's headed, but he's like, it's, it's almost like, um, it's, I think it's the athlete, the competitive person in him. It's, he's so driven. Like it's very hard for him to just sit and chill and Shanna, your dad, I don't know that your dad would have done it any different. I am so sorry that your dad is is in that state. That's gotta be really hard for you to see. And of course, Shanna, you know how much I loved your dad. You guys have me like almost wanting to cry right now because we're talking about fathers and tools. As we're on this podcast, apparently my dad came over to my new house, not knowing I'm doing a podcast and he's using tools like hammers and shit <laughs> and hanging up cabinets in my garage right now. Oh, oh God. God. And I hope he gets from where you want him, Mandy. Oh, I, I, love to, your dad. Fuck, I love my dad. So I have to keep muting it because clearly he's going to town in my garage right now. But oh my, my dad God. is, That's my so dad is, sweet. he's so sweet. He's 83 years old. He looks like he's 50. He swears it's because he jogs and doesn't eat red meat. You know, fathers, I love my dad. Dads are so important. You know, it just had me in this moment of like gratitude talking about our fathers because, and tools, because I was thinking like, what is my dad's tool then? My dad's a writer. A lot of people don't know that about my dad, but he Mm -hmm. writes his thoughts out. 
he's not comfortable sharing them a lot of times because he's kind of hard on himself, but he is, he's a journaler. He's a writer. Yeah, Mandy, it reminds me of the time he wrote that letter to Connor and you were so mad. You're like, Shannon, you should read this shit that my dad just wrote. Her son is also my godson. Okay. And it was all about like this openness of religion and spirituality. And at the time, Mandy and I were very much still, you know, playing the Christian role. And she sends over her son to my house. I'm his godmother. Shanna will set him straight. By the time he left, I was so convinced that maybe all of it was a sham. I was like, oh my God. It was it was so amazing. I, I'll never forget that. But I, I forgot your dad wrote. That's he did. He, he he wrote Connor a note saying don't listen to them. Like follow your heart and follow you your own that. I was pissed. I was like, how dare you try to turn my son against, you know, Jesus in Christianity. And then I sent him over to Shanna's and she, and he ended up talking her into believing (laughs) that we're all energy. Yeah. He was like, where did Joseph go? You know? And I'm like, that's a very good point. And he was like, is he like the first deadbeat dad or what? And I was like, I think you're right. And I was just like, Oh my God. That's hilarious. amazing. He was like 16. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So funny. So, uh, Shelly, spe- speaking of religion. Um, so your family did, how did that go over with you being a rebel and you know, them being very Catholic? Oh, not well. I mean, I was going to say about as well as you can imagine. I, yeah. you know, like you, I was, you know, I was kind of punished for being me and, and I'll admit, I mean, I wasn't necessarily me in the most constructive ways. I was a rebel in some pretty destructive ways back in those days. And so I was punished. I was sent off to boarding school because my parents were like, you cannot live in this house. You just can't be here. This is not working for us. And it was, a. um, it was absolutely, you know, it had a little bit of a, a you know, a Catholic bent to it. it was called Shattuck St. Mary's. I called it nuns with guns because it was the merging <laughs> of like an ex-military boys school with like a convent girls school. So I got nuns with guns. I was like, where all the girls were really rebelling. Totally. I was like, I was like, I had access to more drugs and more fun there than I ever did at home. I was like, this is amazing. <gasps> I had more sex than ever. Yeah, (laughs) right. So I only lasted for a year there because I was, I was just a bad kid. Yeah, it didn't go over well and it really bothered me. So I've had a tough history with religion. Intellectually, I am so fascinated by all religions and the Mm -hmm. intersection of all religions. And I ended up marrying a guy who was raised Muslim or divorced, but we would explore, like we had a lot of Jewish friends. So you just, we'd have the most fascinating conversations. And I'm like, why isn't this uniting us? Why is it dividing us? But when I was being raised as a Catholic, you did not question you did not question. And so that's what really turned me off is, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, right? Like Connor was saying, it's like, well, wait a second, not all of this makes sense. So, you know, I was the kid in like, you know, the little catechism classes, who was asking all the questions and not really making friends with the teacher. So um, it became a divide between me and my parents very, very early on. And when I could, you know, I made the decision around, you know, 14, 15, I was just like, I'm not, I'm not interested in this. This doesn't speak to me. It doesn't feel like my people, I don't understand it. I feel like even asking questions is, 
um, you know, is, is something punishable. So yeah, it really not. And my parents are still, you know, they don't go to church as much as they used to, but you know, they're still people of faith and Mm -hmm. we've just sort of agreed to disagree on how we approach those things. My sister left the church as well. And we're like, you know what, we're, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. And now I would consider myself much more spiritual than anything. Um, I, you know, I believe there's a higher power, but I, you know, I don't really, um, sign up for any one explanation of that or any one religious, um, I guess, theory on that. Yeah. You know, and I just think about how women really, truly, even more than men were unable to kind of drop that faith without being persecuted as like a witch or just totally, you know, rebellious. And that that was so negative. And I like how you said that at the beginning, like being rebellious is not really, I mean, they've made it a bad word, rebel, rebel, rebel. But I mean, really, it's just truly about trying to own your own truth, find your own connection with source, which is the most authentic that you can possibly have. And, And, you know, it even goes deeper than that. It's like, if you express yourself through your clothes in a different way than society thinks you should be, then you're all of a sudden labeled a rebel. I always go to language. We get so hung up on words. So I love that you're telling people like, no, embrace that and live on your own terms, your own exactly. terms, your own, your own terms. Exactly. Imagine oh. like how amazing this world will be. I'm not even going to say would be, I'm going to say will be because enough of us are doing this work now and we're banding together. I mean, this world's going to be a fucking incredible place to be when more of us are being true to ourselves and supporting one another and being more courageous and not having to sign up for someone else's dogma or tick the box of what someone else says is success. I mean, all of it, that's exciting to me. It's so exciting. Just to keep you guys in the loop, my seven-year-old taught me the other day that the new word, it's not rebel anymore. It's called being a baddie. Oh, yeah. I want to be, she came, (laughs) she came downstairs with fishnet pantyhose on under her shorts with her Doc Martens. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting outfit. She's like, I'm a baddie. And I was like, okay, rock it, rock it girl. So is that like slang for badass kind of thing? Yeah. I think it's, it's like, you're oh, going to be a baddie. You're going to be a rebel. Awesome. Tell us about your podcast. I saw that you've had some amazing guests. We've had some of those guests as well. So tell us how you got there and, and what's your hope with that? Yeah, it's so I, that was a pandemic project for me. <laughs> so I, I love having these kinds of conversations. I mean, you, yeah. I, what, how you both show up in the world and how you have these conversations is exactly how I have these conversations. I love it to be raw and real and organic and feel supportive. And so I was doing a lot of, here's the real way it came about. Um, Because my book came out right before the pandemic hit, I was doing a ton of virtual press for the Mm -hmm. launch of the book, which then became a lot of podcast conversations. So I got myself a nice microphone and I was doing this. And then one day I'm like alone in my house because we were very alone. I don't have, at the time I wasn't in a relationship and I don't have children. So I was like very alone in my house. And I'm like staring at this microphone and I was like, you know, I have a lot to say. I have a lot to say beyond the book 
you know, that was only the beginning of like priming this pump of me wanting to share. And I could see that the book was already having an impact. And I just kind of looked at the microphone and I'm like, Hey, you and me can have some fun. Like, why not? I, I, why not? And I put it out to my, I put it out to my Instagram community. And I was like, so me and this microphone, we're thinking about starting a podcast and calling it rebel souls. And it's all about, you know, it's flipping the middle finger to the status quo and life and business and the world at large. And it just felt like this beautiful extension of my work in the world. And it became a thing. So I started it probably in July of 2020. And other than this little tiny break that I'm taking right now, it's, it's like, I love it. It fires me up. I do some solo stuff. I do a lot of guest interviews and I just love to hear different perspectives of this kind of thing. People who are choosing to live life on yeah. their own terms and people who are choosing to redefine success for themselves. And what does that look like? So we can all be inspired, you know, across industries and around the world. So that's yeah, what it's and about. It is what it's about. And also I think even the corporate world from all the guests we've had on is shifting in that direction too. I mean, we mean Shanna say it all the time, but the, you know, age of Aquarius is rising and people are tapping into um, awareness around having more balanced feminine and masculine energies. So men are becoming a little Yay! more, bold. I know authentic and women, you know, are um, becoming a little bit more truer to their, to their souls. So it's a beautiful shift happening. And, and you're right. It, it's so exciting. Sometimes I feel sad for these people that think like that what's happening in our world right now, I mean, trust me, there's horrible things. The war in Ukraine is absolutely heartbreaking, but there's a lot of good happening to people. Like people yeah. think that the world is like coming to an end and, and I, I don't feel that. I, Shanna and I have been so blessed with our podcast to have so many people on like you saying the same thing, feeling, not just saying, feeling the shift happening. So, you know, it, and we can give our listeners hope. You guys, there is so much joy and love in the shift that's happening in the world right now. You know, Shanna, I love it. I went to her house one day. She had it in chalk on her cabinet. It said, where your attention goes is where your energy flows. I love that. You guys turn off all the shit, turn off the news again, get off the TV and go on a hike, you know, you yes. know, redefine what the word success looks like for you. Thank we you are for- the shift. We collectively, we yes. are the shift. We right? are the shit and, and the shift. <laughs> we are the shit <laughs> and the shift. Exactly. Speaking of definitions, I looked at Batty and you guys are going to freaking love this. It's a girl who lives her life successfully. A female who can hold her own and take care of herself. She is pretty and independent. Well, fuck yeah for the baddies. <laughs> I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm using that one. I'm totally using that one. You guys, my new success currency is the new definition of ROI is ripples of impact, not return on investment. And we are ripples of impact. So there you have it. Who else wants to be a ripple? Okay. I'm writing that down because my husband, you know, he's a CFO of a robotics company. So I always have to listen to him talking about the ROI. I'm so using that. (laughs) That's the new one, baby. 
Yep. Yep. Impact. Yeah. I talk about, I talk about that a lot. I talked about it in the book and that's why I like, to me, it's like impact is what gets me out of bed every day. And I'm like, if every day I can help, you know, be some beautiful force and liberating one more soul, mm, that just feels (laughs) yummy. That's a ripple. Right. And, and that's what will, that's what, what, um, sparks the shift. Yes. Yeah. That, that little ripple, all those ripples and eventually become like a tsunami of, of love. <laughs> and, yeah, right. and guess what? Right. There, it's just energy that you're putting out to the world and it never dies. So it lives forever. Yeah. And Shelly, it has been such a pleasure to have you. It was so nice to meet you and I just love your energy. I love what you stand for. I love your terminology. Yeah. You're a baddie. Oh, well, from one baddie to the other, thank you. This has been amazing. Please keep doing what you're doing. I love that you're both such a positive force in this world. And I always, I feel so good when I find more of my people and I know that we're doing this work together and we're, yeah, we're energetically supporting each other. So thank you. Freaking awesome. I had so much fun. Like every time I get off uh, with a guest, my, my energy, like right now, my ears are like, I can just, my vibration raises. I am just so blessed to be able to do this. Um, keep being, keep being you. Thank you for coming on. Um, tell our listeners where they can get your book and tell our listeners where they can find out more about you. Yes. So you can get the book anywhere books are sold. So anywhere from Amazon to Barnes and Noble too. I like to point you in the direction of bookshop.org, which um, the big publishers created during the pandemic to make sure that indie bookstores survived. So I still like to support indie bookstores. So any one of those places, anywhere where you buy your books, um, you can learn more about me on soulbatical.com. It's ultimately going to become shellypaxton.com, but um, you'll be redirected. So soulbatical is two B's and one T. That is main website where you can find out more, sign up for my newsletter. Um, you can find out where to listen to Rebel Souls. It's on all of your favorite pod platforms. Um, and yeah, uh, Instagram is kind of my playground. So you can find me at soulbatical again, spelled two B's and one T, um, on Instagram and come play with me, shoot me a note and let me know how this landed. Ah, I love it. Oh my gosh. I freaking love it. And now it's time for break that shit down. I want everyone to be what I call chief soul officer of your life, you know, to be a badass or a baddie who takes responsibility for the direction of your life and courageously create it, you know, in alignment with your truth and your values and your purpose and join this revolution because that's what it means to live authentically. Chief soul officer. Those are two things I made up at the very beginning. Soulbatical and chief soul officer both came to me in those days before I was leaving Harley. And I still, I still use the title today and I encourage everyone to use that title. I think it's really beautiful. It just reminds us that we have this obligation to our, our soul and our truth. Oh and you God. know what I just thought of? This is so funny. Maybe that's because we have this Catholic background, but look at the shift in Mary's. I mean, women are connecting more with Mary Magdalene than they are the Holy Mary Mother of God. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh my God. That's so funny. Oh, nice to meet you, Shelly. Have, have a good okay. rest of your day. Right. Bye. 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 
Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.